You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Coming up in news on Eye on the Triangle, Hezbollah has an itchy trigger finger, Governor Purdue is slapped with an embarrassing fine, and Raleigh is about to be drowned in a flood of suds. Don't you dare touch that dial. All of that and more coming up only on WKNC. This weekend news on Eye on the Triangle. A brief rundown of the latest news. For WKNC News in Raleigh, I'm Evan Garris. And I'm Tommy Anderson. The time is 7.02. North Carolina State University unveiled a memorial to former women's basketball coach Kay Yao today, less than a year after the local legend succumbed to her 22-year fight with breast cancer. NC State student government raised approximately $50,000 to construct the memorial, according to WRAL. It is located next to Reynolds Coliseum and consists of a garden, walkway, and a statue of Yao seated on a pink granite pedestal. In more North Carolina news, the News and Observer reports that Governor Beverly Perdue's campaign was fined $30,000 today by the State Board of Elections. In 2008, Perdue's campaign neglected to report 42 flights on private aircraft as donations. GOP board members wanted to pursue the issue further, seeking a public hearing at which Purdue staff members would answer questions under oath about campaign spending. This initiative was struck down by a party-line vote. The board, the board is appointed by, by the governor and is comprised of three Democrats and two Republicans. A lawyer for the Purdue campaign, John Wallace, released a statement today detailing that there was no intent behind the non-disclosed flights, saying, quote, there is a failure on the part of the committee. What we have is people acting imperfectly, end quote. The $30,000 fine comes nearly a year after former Governor Mike Easley's campaign was fined $100,000 for similar failures to disclose donations, some of them for flights on personal aircraft as well. While the Purdue campaign will be shelling out money, North Carolina State Public Schools will be raking in their share of $3.4 billion of a $3.4 billion federal grant won in a race to the top competition sponsored by the United States Department of Education, according to the Associated Press. Our state and eight other winners were selected out of 19 finalists and will receive up to $400 million over four years. After losing in the first round of applications, the plan was revamped by the adoption of national curriculum standards and allowing for easier founding of charter schools. Holding principals accountable for failing schools is another factor of the plan, as well as the goal to raise graduation rates to 85% by the year 2016. In Raleigh news, the NNO reported today that the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services has announced that, the most, that most of the services at Dorothea Dix Hospital will close by the end of the year. Services that may remain under the direction of Central Regional Hospital include 24 beds for people charged with crimes, as well as a child outpatient clinic. Lanier Kanzler, the state DHHS secretary, said today that Dix Hospital will, will most likely close for good by the end of the year. In a memo sent to the current staff at the hospital, Kanzler addressed the fact that zero funds were appropriated to the hospital for the current fiscal year. The psychiatric hospital has been in operation since 1856 and was the first of its kind in the state. Legislators have been pushing to close the facility for years and nearly succeeded in 2008, but for safety concerns at the newly constructed hospital in Butner. Kanzler stated that further plans for the closure will be made public in the coming days. In world news, the BBC is reporting that recent monsoon flooding in Pakistan has forced the country to face a serious threat of epidemic disease. Doctors have fought to contain the spread of waterborne illnesses like diarrhea and cholera that pose a particular threat to children and the elderly. Pakistan's national health coordinator said that the immediate situation is under control, but preparations should be made for the coming weeks. More flooding is expected as the Indus River at Hyderabad, already at a 50-year high, is expected to rise even more. As many as 17 million people have been affected by the flooding and an estimated 1.5 million homes have been destroyed.
A small clash erupted today in the Lebanese capital city of Beirut, according to Al Jazeera. Two members of the Shia Islamist party Hezbollah were killed after an argument with members of El Ahbash, a Sunni party politically aligned with Hezbollah. Rocket-propelled grenades and machine guns were reportedly used in the attack. The Lebanese army was immediately dispatched to the area to restore peace and quiet. Lebanese security forces described the clash as personal, arising over rights to a parking spot at a local mosque. The, this incident comes amidst heightened t- internal tensions and an isolated clash with Israel on Lebanon's southern border. A federal judge issued a temporary injunction on Monday blocking federal funding to embryonic stem cell research. Lawmakers and advocates were admittedly stunned as the Obama administration has sought to loosen restrictions on this emerging field of science. White House Deputy Press Secretary Bill Burton said today that the administration is formulating a response as all research financed by federal funding has been effectively put on hold. The New York Times reports that Representative Diane DeGette, a a Democrat from Colorado, an outspoken advocate of stem cell research, briefed fellow Democrats on Tuesday morning and called for Congress to finally codify the rules established by the Obama administration in March of 2009. The Associated Press reports that Walmart has issued a nationwide recall of certain meat products after a retail sample from Georgia tested positive for Listeria monocytogenes. The bacteria can cause serious illness and sometimes fatalities in young children, the elderly, or those with compromised immune systems. The tainted shipment contained 380,000 pounds of meat in total, but no related illnesses have been reported. A spokesperson for Zimco, a meat distributor in Buffalo, New York, said that most of the products have likely been consumed. And speaking of microscopic organisms on a more optimistic note, the the MSNBC, along with other news services, have reported that a newly discovered oil-eating microbe is thriving in the Gulf of Mexico. The microbe was discovered by researchers studying the underwater dispersion of oil at BP's Deepwater Horizon spill and is acting much faster than initially expected. The microbe thrives in cold water and does not significantly deplete oxygen in the water, according to online journal Science Express. The Raleigh News Blog would like to remind you that next week is the inaugural Raleigh Beer Week. August 30 through September 3rd will be a celebration of the best local brews at the best local bars in and around downtown Raleigh. Mayor Charles Meeker will kick off the event at 6 p.m. next Monday by tapping a keg of India Pale Ale at the Borough, located at the intersection of Morgan and Dawson Streets. For more information about the rest of the week's events, point your browser to raleighbeerweek.blogspot.com. I'm John Boyer with Traffic and Transit News. Work will continue on St. Mary Street from Glenwood Avenue to Craig Street until September 3rd. As crews resurface the road Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., St. Mary's is restricted to one southbound lane. Northbound traffic should take Fairview or Craig Street to Overland Road. Raleigh's capital improvement budget for the next five years will put $9.3 million towards bike and pedestrian projects. In this upcoming year, a quarter of a million dollars will be spent to construct grade separation at Hillsborough Street and Blue Ridge Road. Construction will begin on Western Boulevard to Hillsborough Street sidewalks after the city put forward $355,000 in matching funds for an NCDOT project. The flyover bridge at Western Boulevard and Hillsborough Street will be replaced as well. Many Raleigh residents are interested in getting their voices heard about a proposed high-speed rail corridor to Richmond. The Raleigh City Council plans to hold a public meeting at 7 p.m. on August 31st in the council chamber of the Upchurch Government Complex on Hargett Street. Residents who are interested in commenting should email railservice at raleighnc.gov before August 27th. That's this Friday. More information is available at www.sehsr.org. On this day in 79 A.D., Mount Vesuvius erupted, covering the cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum in ash.
1814, British troops invaded Washington, D.C. and burned down the White House and several other federal buildings. In 1932, Amelia Earhart becomes the first woman to fly across the United States nonstop from Los Angeles to Newark, New Jersey. In 1989, Cincinnati Reds manager Pete Rose is banned for baseball for gambling. In 1992, Hurricane Andrew hits South Florida as a Category 5 hurricane. And in 1995, computer software developer Microsoft releases its Windows 95 operating system. In 2006, the International Astronomical Union redefines the term planet such that Pluto is now considered a dwarf planet. And in birthdays, 1929, Yasser Arafat. In 1951, Orson Scott Card, an American writer. In 1955, Mike Huckabee, American politician and governor and presidential candidate. 1960, Cal Ripken Jr., an American baseball player. In 1973, Dave Chappelle, American actor and comedian. And in 1981, Chad Michael Murray, an American actor. <laughs> thank you, Tommy, and thank you, Evan. The WKNC News Time is 710. On the Triangle continues with Chris Chaffee and your local events calendar. Tomorrow, Wednesday, August 25th, the Clark and Fountain Dining Halls will be having a program called Focus on Fruit, which will help you answer the question, have you gotten your full serving of fruits today? Lasting all day, Focus on Fruit is your chance to sample delicious fruit and dip pairings. Treat yourself to a variety of fruits like berries, kiwi, melon, and many more. There will also be dips like yogurt, cottage cheese, peanut butter, and a warm chocolate coating to test out your fruity treats. Also on Wednesday in the Iredal Cloyd Wayne Theater at the Diet Chill Library, a screening of the HBO documentary For Netta will be shown at 7 p.m. For Netta profiles the life and death of Netta Aga Sultan, who was killed in the aftermath of the disputed Iranian elections last June. The film will be introduced by Roya Johnson, a former political prisoner in Iran and the vice president of the U.S. Alliance for a Democratic Iran. This will be the first showing of the film in North Carolina. On Thursday, August 26th, the movie Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, will be shown at Witherspoon Cinema at 9 p.m., costing $1.50. Prince of Persia is a movie that tells the story of a young prince who is on the run for being accused of killing his father, all the while trying to stop a villain who unknowingly threatens to destroy the world with a special dagger that has the power to reverse time. This film is rated PG-13. On August 27th, Friday, departing from the Jim Rec Center at 11 a.m., there will be the second of four campus bike tours. Get to know your campus on bicycle by taking the Wolf Wheels guided tours. The tour will be a distance of 2.8 miles and last roughly 45 minutes. There will be plenty of stops. And if you don't have a bike and still want to participate, there will be bikes provided for you by Wolf Wheels. Also on Friday at the Witherspoon Cinema, the movie Shrek, the final chapter, will be shown at 9.30 p.m. for $1.50 for students. In this last installment, a bored Shrek makes a deal with Rumpelstiltskin to go back to a time when he was able to enjoy being an ogre. He is deceived and is instead warped to a world where he and Fiona have never met. Ogres are hunted, and Rumpelstiltskin is the king of far, far away. Unfortunately, the movie will not be shown in three dimensions, but this film is rated PG. On Saturday, August 28th, bright and early at 8 a.m., the students of Ailing Mothers and Fathers is hosting a boot camp and 8K to benefit the students of AMF. The mission of students of AMF is to support college students grieving the illness or death of a loved one. Don't miss your chance to show your support to this important campus organization. On Sunday, August 29th, the Craft Center will be hosting their Quilting is Art exhibition. The exhibition is a display of quilts and wearable art by the Triangle Art Quilters Guild. This event is an ongoing event and will be installed into the Craft Center until October 11th. If you would like to see this event, check out the Craft Center located on the lower level of Thompson Theater. 
open on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 2 to 10 p.m., Thursday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and Saturday and Sunday from 12.30 to 5 p.m. On Monday, August 29th, there will be a pre-law services showcase of NC Law Schools in room 216 Poe Hall. The seven law schools from across the state will be participating in a question-and-answer panel discussion on the unique features of their schools and how to make yourself a strong candidate in the application process. This is a good event for first-year students to senior-level students. There will be a reception following the event. Next Tuesday, one week from today, is the last day to enroll or add a class. It is also the last day to drop a class or change from credit to audit with tuition adjustment. So, if you want to save money, make sure to drop a week from today. And finally, next Wednesday, September 1st, the Campus Farmer's Market will be bringing several local vendors to the Brickyard from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. right in front of D.H. Hill Library. John? Thank you, Chris. That was Chris Chaffee with a look at the events going on in and around campus here in the upcoming week. I'm really looking forward to Shrek, but uh, I'm afraid you didn't give me the spoiler alert there. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, welcome to Eye on the Triangle. I'm John Boyer. The time is 714. It's August 24th, if you're just waking up. You heard news with Tommy and Evan, events with Chaffee. And right now joining me is my good friend from the NCSU Broadcast Meteorology Program, Jessica Showers. She's here to tell us a little bit about the forecast and there's some activity in the tropical Atlantic. Yes, thank you, John. Tonight's weather, we're going to see probably mostly cloudy skies with a chance of showers throughout the evening with a slight chance of rain overnight. Lows around the mid-60s, about 65 to 66 most likely. Tomorrow, we're probably going to see a chance of some slight showers in the morning, mostly overcast skies in the morning, but after that, partly cloudy skies with a high of 85 and calm winds from the southwest. Lows in the upper 60s coming into the evening with our uh, evening hours with more partly cloudy skies. On Thursday, we're probably going to see partly cloudy skies with highs in the mid-90s. There is a slight chance of a thunderstorm in the afternoon, maybe after 2 p.m., but relatively calm winds will be coming from the west all day. So also to talk about the tropics, we have a new announcement that Hurricane Danielle has now been downgraded to a tropical storm due to unexpected western wind shear that has been weakening the system. Uh, Tropical Storm Danielle is not expected to make landfall anytime soon, but don't fear. We have still a couple of weeks until the peak of hurricane season on September 10th. A lot left to happen, and thank you for a look at the forecast there, Jessica. If you want to keep up with the forecast from NCSU, check them out on Twitter. It's NCSU Weather. You can also find them on Facebook. That is the NCSU Broadcast Meteorology Program. Thank you so much, Jessica. And now it's on to Viewpoint with Evan. Viewpoint on Eye on the Triangle. Evan's opinions on the latest news. The views in this editorial do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, student media, or NCSU. The majority of American headline newsprint should be used as bathroom tissue if for no other reason than to prove that our excrement really does stink. Recently, I've been assailed with articles like a recent one in the New York Times detailing how Democratic governors are worried that the Obama Obama administration's lawsuit directed at Arizona's new pride and joy, its immigration law, may cost Democrats votes in fall elections. News like this makes me gnash my teeth and tear my clothes. On yet another issue that should be cut and dry, our leaders, products of a political system that our very own ignorance and indifference creates, show their spinelessness and inability to fashion a way forward that drives our country towards a peak of accomplishment. Nothing like traveling abroad provides you with enough perspective to see these frivolities in American political life. 
I spent this past summer in the Middle East, culminating in a two-week, two-week stay in Lebanon. Once known as the Switzerland of the Middle East, the landscape there is stunning. Mountains dotted with small villages and groves of olive trees slope downward until they join a crystal-clear Mediterranean Sea. Only artillery holes that riddle the sides of old buildings in Beirut are left as physical reminders of the conflict that raged 20 years ago. Looking through one of these holes offers a quick reality check and for a moment lets the viewer imagine what life could be like when staring down the barrel of a 130mm cannon. Needless to say, one, comes, one becomes considerably less concerned with politics. On the drive back from dinner, we blew past a sign displaying the distance between Juna and Tripoli. Our driver, Nachli, a spry man in his late 50s or early 60s, spoke only enough English to call the driver of a bus that nearly sent us off the road minutes earlier a donkey extra large. I happened to glance at his reflection in the rearview mirror. The length of the lines etched into his forehead exceeded that of the kilometers separating our car and the city nearest to our destination. The look in his eyes elicited something visceral that no language could hope to capture. In him, I saw the story of a man who for 15 years witnessed his country being torn apart by the mischiefs of religious factionalism, a man who dodged bullets and shrapnel with his life, let alone spirit, intact. No American of my or my father's generation bears such a marked history with similar valor, yet we carry ourselves as if our struggles and decisions are akin to those of Homeric lore. Our petty squabbles over non-issues like gay marriage and abortion are treated as harbingers of the apocalypse, yet they pale in comparison to the horrors that men and women like my friend Nachli witnessed on a daily basis. America needs a serious slap in the face to give it a bit of perspective and stimulate some reasoned discourse. This union we share is a true aberration, something extraordinarily unique. No other location on earth carries such a great potential for intellectual freedom, innovation, and human progress, yet we're often blinded to this realization by our ill-founded convictions and the silly interpersonal games we play while attempting, rather full-heartedly, to craft a future for our successors. Our buildings aren't peppered with bullet holes. Our collective conscience isn't constantly threatened by sectarianism. American, America is a gift we were fortunate enough to inherit. Think critically, take nothing for granted, and leave behind a legacy that sets the course for a new era of human flourishing. The views in this editorial do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. And welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. Thank you for your opinion. Evan, the time is 7.20 here on 88.1 WKNC. On the way, after the first break, we have an interview tonight with a look back at Service NC State. How did it go? What's coming up with CSLEPs? We have Jackie Jeswa and Kenneth Lamb. Also our Wolfpacker of the Week, Chandler Thompson. And live sports with Taylor Barber from Technician. But first, I want to get your opinion and your feedback. We do have Twitter. It's WKNC881 or WKNCEOT. I came across an interesting article this morning. Popular Science rated one of our labs here at NC State, the Forensic Analysis Lab taught by Ann Ross, as one of the coolest labs at any college or university in the country. Uh, we're, we're in the top 30 anyways. But I wanted to get your opinion, if you did in, in fact happen to be in that class, how cool was it, or what was the coolest class you've taken in your time here at NC State? I'll let you know what I think, and I look forward to reading some of your answers when we come back with Eye on the Triangle. I'm John Boyer. Thank you for sticking with us through the break. I'm joined by two guests here joining me from CSLEPS. We'll get to that in a second, but first we do have some feedback from the Twitter question of the day. Mike Attacks You writes, The coolest class of all was PS201 Honors with Tony Salar. 
Solari, there's an I there. Three-hour class was more engaging and felt shorter than most 30-minute classes. That's the thing we like to hear, positive things about our professors here at NC State. And, you know, uh, if you didn't hear that article when I first came on, Popular Science uh, recently rated one of NC State's labs, the Forensic Anthropology Lab, as one of the 30 coolest science labs happening uh, at any university across America. So if you have any thoughts about that or would like to uh, throw your own fun lab into uh, submission for our radio listeners, go ahead and uh, hit us up, WKNC881 or WKNCEOT on Twitter. And now it's time for VIP. I on the Triangle's VIP. Talking to people that matter. All right, well, it's it's me again. It's John Boyer here on 88.1 WKNC. Uh, C-SLEPs, you've probably heard the name around campus. A lot of people that do a lot of great work, service-oriented work. This past weekend, Service NC State was a major success, and we're here to find out how big of a success that was. I'm joined by Jackie Jeswa and Kenneth Lamb. Jackie is the uh, Community Service Coordinator for C-SLEPs, also an AmeriCorps volunteer. Kenneth is a senior in business. So, actually, if there's anything else uh, you'd like to tell me about what you do with C-SLEPs, we can start with that. All right. I was a recent uh, graduate from NC State, and over the past couple of years, I've been an alternative service break team leader. I participated in some of our leadership workshops. And I have been the team leader for C-SLEPs as well, and I've been participating in service events as well as camp- campus pals and so forth. So, actually, you know, I've been mentioning C-SLEPs without actually saying what it stands mm-hmm. for. And uh, I'm sorry, but I think I think I have all of it. Um, you're going to have to help me out. All right. Center for Student Leadership, Ethics, and Public Service. All right. Uh, so I also forgot to mention, if our listeners out there have any questions they'd like to ask our guests this evening, you know what to do. It's WKNC EOT on Twitter. Anyhow, uh, how long have has Service NC State been going on? This is our fourth year partnering with Stop Hunger Now for our Service NC State uh, main service project. So, and both of you were able to attend this weekend. Yes. Well, what was the feeling like? Uh, there was so much energy in the room. We actually, we exceeded our goals this year and we set campus records. So I think that just got everyone really excited about the event. Um, great turnout, lots of volunteers, lots of enthusiastic students and community partners as well. So you said there were lots of people. I read one figure uh, that put the number in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. How many people were there? We had over 1,500 volunteers for the Stop Hunger Now mail packaging event, and we had over 725 appointments for the blood drive. Okay. So, and they weren't just students, though. You mentioned our community partners. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some corporate sponsors. We had some churches. We had some families just in the community that heard about the service project and wanted to get involved. And you mentioned that there were two aspects of what was happening this weekend. Correct. Uh, there was uh, the meals mm-hmm. drive, packaging the meals. Uh, I understand they're on their way to Haiti. Right. Uh, is that tied into the earthquake relief? Yep. And actually, uh, Stop Hunger Now has been sending meals to Haiti since before the earthquake. Uh, it's coincidental that the earthquake happened last year, and we were able to jump on board and help out with that. I'm a little curious. Uh, what's in the meals? It is dehydrated vegetables, rice, a soy tablet, and a mineral and vitamin tablet. Sounds like uh, good nutrition. It's actually quite tasty. We've tried it before. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So uh, when are they expected to get there? They're on their way there right now. So as quickly as the ship gets them there. (laughs) So uh, were other universities or 
uh, anywhere else around the nation involved with this packaging effort, like on the same day or same month, or is this like an ongoing thing? We are doing a million meal packaging event throughout the year with other colleges across North Carolina. In the uh, UNC system? Correct. Now, regarding the blood drive, that's the other aspect of it. Uh, that wasn't the first time I've heard about blood drives here on NC State. It seems like we have them pretty regularly. Correct. This is actually the biggest one NC State's ever done. It was a record-setting 500-pint blood drive was our goal, and we exceeded that by collecting 569 pints. So 500 pints, it doesn't sound like a lot, I guess, but if you're one of those people that faints when you see blood, that's probably going to be too much. <laughs> yeah. Did and either I- of you give blood? Yes, yes I did. did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, five or each pint is, saves three lives. So we could potentially affect over 1,500 people with that blood drive. It's incredible. So it sounds like uh, there's a lot uh, of success this year to build on once again next year. Is there anything already in the works, ideas about um, what's going to happen yeah. for the Sensi State? We're just blown away by the fact that we're able to exceed our goals both days with both service projects. And that just set us up to know that we have the capacity to do even more next year. So as we evaluate uh, the events from this year and look at how we're going to plan next year, we plan on setting our goals even higher. So uh, you, I don't think we even have to wait until next year, though. If you're out there and you're listening and you want to get involved with CSLEPS, there are going to be other events coming up Correct. where you can uh, you know, volunteer. Mm-hmm. One of the new programs that we established this year is our service leadership team. It's a team of made up of five committees. They're each headed by students, focus on different uh, social injustices. Uh, committees focus on hunger and homelessness, global awareness, leadership development, youth development, and community outreach. Uh, if you're interested in being a part of any of those committees, there's an interest meeting next Monday at 6 p.m. That will be in Carmichael Gym. Uh, we had an information session last night just to let people know about the service leadership team, and we had over 300 students come out just to get information. So we know that that uh, leadership team has potential to do a lot of work around campus and in the communities. That's incredible. And uh, for those out there that want to find out more information, you guys do have a website. We do. Mm-hmm. That is www.ncsu.edu slash C-SLEPS, C-S-L-E-P-S. So uh, back to service NC State, uh, this meal packaging event went through the whole night. Did I understand that correctly? Friday afternoon, we unloaded the trucks. Uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds of food were unloaded from the trucks. We had over 200 volunteers come out and help us do that, set up the gym to uh, prepare for the event the next day. And then on Saturday, we spent from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. packaging over 400,000 meals. Well, it, so a lot of sleepless nights in preparation for this? Or yes. there were enough volunteers staff, to get the job done? Yep, staff, community partners, students. Spent some long hours preparing for the event. Well, it's going to help untold thousands of people that uh, you may never meet. But I think it's a really great thing contributing to NC State's reputation. So it's been great having you on the program. I was joined by Jackie Jeswa and Kenneth Lamb talking about CSLEPS and the recent service NC State project. We'll be happy to have you back next year. Thank you. If you are around to talk about more of the great work that you guys are doing, stick Stick with us. Eye on the Triangle will continue with sports. From the sidelines on Eye on the Triangle. Your weekly update on athletic events. 
time is 7.35 here at WKNC. I'm John Boyer. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle, joined by good friends of the show once again this fall, Tyler Everett and Taylor Barber joining us from Technician, here to talk sports, primarily football. Is that time of year. What's your latest thinking? Uh, latest hasn't changed much. It's been a pretty quiet uh, early practice season for the pack, which is welcome news. Last year, every other day, you were hearing about a new guy getting hurt. So still haven't played a game yet. Still might be an injury-filled season, but at least not an injury-filled preseason, which is, a, as I said, a welcome change from past years when when somebody else was going down or transferring seemingly every day. Taylor, what you think? Oh, I agree. I mean, less news at this point, the better it is. I mean, after a kind of eventful offseason with police issues, drug issues, some injuries, people coming back, Russell Wilson, is he going to play baseball? Is he going to be back at NC State? All those questions are answered and seeming quiet before the storm, and hopefully it'll be a good one coming up. And what are the answers to those questions surrounding Mr. Wilson? Well, I mean, definitely uh, he's coming back. This more than likely, at least in my opinion, will be his last year playing, even though he's only a redshirt junior. But I, more than likely, it's, like I said, I think he's going to go play.